This is The Anxious Truth, episode number 143. 143. Welcome back, dudes and dudettes. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about hidden avoidances, hidden rituals, and how you can often start your recovery in places that you never even imagined, just in little nooks and crannies of your daily life. This is a common thing that I usually find in the instances where I do work with people one-on-one. We wind up uncovering little things just in daily life, sometimes in the waking up routine, sometimes in just the way you move through your home. The, the little bits of avoidance and rituals that you've sprinkled throughout your day, even in your safe areas. We're going to talk about that because sometimes that's the best place to start. You don't necessarily even have to start. We talk about baby steps. We talk about little tiny steps, right? But sometimes those first steps can even be taken like in your home or in your safe place or in, in a place that you think you don't need to work on. Uh, we can talk about that today. It's, it'll be useful and it's, it's often overlooked and uh, I think it needs to be talked about. Before we do, you know what I'm going to do. Same thing I do every week. I'm going to ask you to go check out my book. It's called The Anxious Truth, A Step-by-Step Guide to Understanding and Overcoming Panic, Anxiety, and Agoraphobia. If you're looking for more help with your anxiety disorder than I can give you just here in a podcast or an Instagram post, social media post, that would be a good place to check out. It's 70,000 words. It's 400 printed pages. There's a ton of information in there. And by all accounts, I set out to write a useful tool, and I did. So I'm proud of it. If you want to check it out, you can find it at theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. Uh, and if you already have it and you're digging it, maybe write me a review on Amazon. I would appreciate that. Although I'm told that I'm not officially supposed to ask for reviews, so I might be even breaking some sort of rule there. But you know me, I'm a rebel. Anywho, thanks for putting up with that every week. I appreciate it, guys. So here's the deal. Let's talk about hidden avoidances, hidden rituals, and like the little nooks and crannies of your everyday life, even inside your safe zone where you could probably start the work of recovery. And here's where this comes up. When I do work with people one-on-one, and I do that rarely, but sometimes, when I work with people one-on-one, invariably, they are surprised at where we find pressure points, places to poke, right? So the object of the game in recovery is to start to find the things that make you uncomfortable and to do them in baby steps, right? Incrementally, systematically. We talk about this all the time. You're trying to induce this discomfort, sometimes the fear, and you're trying to practice a new way to relate to that. So you're building skills, you're practicing skills, and anytime we can get practice in, it's a good thing. And we always talk about starting small. We never want to take giant moonshots, right? And sometimes we can start really small without ever even kind of poking outside the comfort zone or the safe zone. And I know that's going to sound familiar to most of you who have things like panic disorder and agoraphobia. The safe zone or the comfort zone is very well defined there. But this can really apply in just about almost any disorder. However, admittedly, yes, it's going to resonate most with people who are dealing with panic attacks and agoraphobia. So here is the deal with that. When we look at the way you are living your life, even inside your safe zone or where you think is your retreat zone, this is the place where everything is okay. And I understand, by the way, if you're dealing with GAD, there is no safe zone. I get that. We'll get to that. But when you are living your life inside your safe zone, inside your bubble, inside the place that you think is your, this is your respite from anxiety. This is where you can get away with it, away from it all before you have to go out and start doing the scary things. You will often find that your minute by minute life is peppered with rituals, with avoidances, with safety behaviors, with things that you have engineered either to keep your anxiety at bay or 
you are literally fueling your anxiety all day long without even knowing it. Let me give you an example. I have one particular person that I've worked with where we literally had to start with the task of keeping her phone away from her bed. So she would start her day by immediately opening her eyes, grabbing her phone and looking at it to, to handle work related things. And this immediately set the table for a day that starts at an anxious place. And what we worked on there was I said, Okay, well, let's do a thing. The very first homework I ever had her do was when you get up in the morning, you're not allowed to look at your phone. You can't look at your phone. First, you have to run your morning routine, your get dressed, brush your teeth, wash your hair, make your coffee, and then you can look at your phone. Now, over time, we had to modify that a little bit because the, the requirements of her business are real. And we also have to accommodate life, right? Life is recovery and recovery is life. So we got to mix them together. But the very first thing we had to do was to say you can't look at your phone for X amount of time until you do these things. And that proved to be very difficult. And a very useful exercise. Because what we uncovered when we really looked at that is that she would immediately start her day by ratcheting up the anxiety. So in some cases, you may find that even when you are, you know, home, when you're in your comfortable place, you're in your safe place, you may be engaging in all kinds of things that are ratcheting up your anxiety level from the get go. And this plays a big role if you are going out and doing your exposure work, if your exposure work involves going out or driving and things of that nature, walking, getting out of the house. And you may find that, oh, my God, why is this not getting any easier? This is really, really difficult. But sometimes we look at sort of the nooks and crannies of, of everyday life from minute to minute, hour to hour, and we discover that you are fueling it. You're already fueling the anxiety. So before you even get out the door to do your practice, you're already ratcheted up at a level six because you're walking around at a level three and four all the time. Now, I understand that people with GAD will tell you that they're, you know, at a level X all the time anyway. And that's true. But for people who are dealing with things like panic disorder or agoraphobia, you are you could be ratcheting yourself up without even knowing it. So the telltale signs you want to look for is do I rush around this house? Am I constantly rushing around? Am I constantly looking for distractions? Am I constantly looking for things to do? Am I constantly worrying about things that I have to do? So we can look at what you're doing and how you're living right even inside your home and say, okay, are we either building a false sense of, well, this is the safest place because you've engineered all the possible triggers out of your home and your safe place? Or have you let your, your bad habits invade the safe place? So even though you think you're in your comfort zone, you're already kind of ratcheted up and like you're starting your day wound up like a spring ready to go already. So we can look at those sort of things. How fast are you moving? How are you talking to yourself about the day? How are you engaging in tasks? Are you being mindful? Are you going from task to task to task to task to task? Are you constantly just reacting to everything, reacting, reacting, reacting? Are you trying to keep track of 60,000 things in your head without maybe ever writing them down? So sometimes we have, uh, sometimes I have people do start to make to do lists, because they don't. And they're under the pressure of like, Oh, what if I forget to do a thing? What if I forget? What if I forget what well, I'm gonna let people down? And sometimes just the act of saying, Well, okay, let's just build in 10 minutes a day, where you can sit with a cup of tea or whatever, and literally get a pad and write down that stuff, keep that pad right there. So that now you know, well, I can always go back to the pad. I don't have to worry that, oh, I'm going to forget something, I'm going to blow something, I'm going to make a mistake. That's a good example of how somebody could be ratcheting up their anxiety level without even trying. I mean, you don't mean to do that. But that is a thing we can look for also. The speed at which you're moving around, the amount of stuff you're trying to juggle in your head, the amount of time you spend checking inside your head to make sure you're not forgetting things. 
the amount of time you spend scanning your own body and your own thoughts, even while you're home. We have to work on that sort of stuff. And on the flip side, we have to look at avoidance behaviors and safety behaviors that you've built into your kind of safe zone as well. And there was a great post in my Facebook group. And if you're not in the group, just go to theanxioustruth.com slash links, and you'll find a link to the Facebook group. Ask to join, we'll get you in. But there was a great post the other day in my Facebook group from somebody who said they were reading my book and they discovered like, oh my goodness, like I haven't been taking baby steps. And so she took it to heart and really, really learned that lesson and said, I got to find the baby steps right in my own house, which is something a lot of people don't do unless they're literally instructed to do that. And she found behaviors like, I will only shower facing the door with the door open just in case something happens. I will only go into the kitchen if I can, you know, have this light. I have to turn the light off before I go into the kitchen because it's too bright. Many people will discover like, oh boy, I spend all day long. If I have any break in the action, I immediately start endlessly scrolling on my phone so that I can't be alone with my thoughts and my sensations. So she actually found it. This person found a staircase in her house. She would never go down that staircase. So instead of allowing those things to happen, she started changing the way she showered. She started spending more time in the kitchen with the light on. She started practicing going up and down the forbidden staircase. And sure enough, it made a difference. So the work that she's been doing inside her own comfort zone, like kind of ripping the lid off of all that avoidance and escape that was happening right in her own home, this person dealing with agoraphobia and panic disorder, right inside her own home. The work she was doing inside her own home started to make it easier to get at the door and do her driving exposures and her outside exposures. That's a real thing. So I, I've had people that I've worked with where I've had to literally, uh, their homework was to three times a day, I'm going to ask you to sit quietly without your phone and just sit and breathe for five minutes three times a day. And before you go out to do your driving exposure, you're going to start with that. Give me three minutes of just silence before you go out the door teaching people to, to make sure that they're not ratcheting themselves up accidentally, teaching people to, to not call their safe zone a safe zone because of the way they've been able to control and engineer everything. So some of the hallmarks of that in terms of hidden avoidances are really strict rituals centered around things like bedtime. I must go to sleep this way in this manner because if I don't, then I might not sleep enough. And if I don't sleep enough, my anxiety gets triggered. So very strict bedtime rituals, very strict ritualized behaviors about cleaning or and I'm talking about I'm not talking about OCD. Well, we'll have a conversation about that one day. Um, so it's okay to like things orderly. That's okay. But what it's not okay to do is to excessively try to control every aspect of your environment, avoiding certain foods, only eating certain foods, only drinking certain beverages, not drinking certain beverages having to have certain lights on, always needing some sort of sound or something in the in the place. These are things that you probably don't even realize that you have been doing. They're innocent in a way, but over time they do begin to add up and they and they continually reinforce that notion like, well, as long as I can control all of these variables, then I won't be anxious and then I'll be okay. And your home life, your safe zone life may be riddled with those little things. You got to look for those. And sometimes we can start the work just by finding those things and systematically working on eliminating those behaviors bit by bit. I had somebody that, you know, we had to talk about slowing down. Like every chance you get, you have to stop for a second. Every hour, I want you to do a, a quick notice of how fast you're moving through the, through the house, going from task to task to task. Are you writing this stuff down, getting stuff out of your head? Start to slow down, slow down, slow down. And what we discover is we start to peel away the escape and avoidance behaviors, it, it, it's uncomfortable. 
But it's certainly easier to face a fear in your safe place than it is to start facing your fear outside of the safe place. So consider that for a second. If I told you to do something, if, if you are a doom scroller, which is my new favorite term, I didn't know that existed. But if your default, anytime you have a, an open moment in your mind, is to pick up your phone and start scrolling endlessly for five minutes until you can think of something else to do. And I told you, you can't do that. You only, you're only not allowed to pick up your phone and scroll social media until three o'clock. That's your homework. You can't do that until three o'clock. That would probably make you uncomfortable. Suddenly, you don't know what to do. That becomes a crutch. It becomes a safety behavior. It's just an example of one. But if I told you you couldn't do that, you would experience discomfort. You might even experience anxiety. You might experience a little bit of fear and vulnerability. This is not okay. What do I do now? If I can't get my phone out, what do I do now? If I can't play my game, what do I do now? If I can't listen to my favorite podcast until one o'clock, because that's my homework, what do I do? So you will experience discomfort. And the object of the game here and the entire recovery journey is about learning that you can tolerate discomfort, you could tolerate fear, you could tolerate uncertainty, you could tolerate feeling vulnerability, you can navigate through those things, you're capable. Right? So we're trying to find that part of you that exists, that you've just sort of forgotten about or given no credit to. But it would be nice to be able to start that right in your own home. First of all, it's convenient. And second of all, it is a little bit of an easier first step. It is an easier first step. So what would you rather do sit on your sofa for five minutes without your phone, or go out and drive to the supermarket? I think you'd probably rather sit on the sofa. And while we can't live our life, we can't recover just on the sofa, we could certainly start that way. So when we uncover the behaviors and the rituals that you are engaging in moment to moment, even before you go out and face the cruel world, or the scary world, I should say, that we can find those things and find, <clears throat> excuse me, where you're either inadvertently ratcheting up your anxiety level all day long. And this starts to get into the GAD thing, right? So we're talking about that in a second. If you are either inadvertently rushing through minute by minute life, if you're continually living five minutes, five hours, five days in the future, or in the past, as you're in your home, you're, you're doing that, you're ratcheting yourself up. If you're worrying about every single task that's coming up or that a task might come up that will make you uncomfortable, you're ratcheting yourself up, right? If you are engaging in the act of trying to control every possible variable in your home life, in your safe zone, so that you don't get triggered, you are ratcheting yourself up. So those behaviors, and then the other way is, are you engaging in a bunch of avoidance behaviors when you find a thing that triggers you and you stop doing it at home? You can't do that at home can't eat that food, can't drink that, can't watch this TV show, have to listen to this music, have to have this podcast on, have to shower only when someone's home, have to go to bed at 9 o'clock, and if I'm not sleeping by 9.15, I'm screwed. Like, there are so many little things that we can work on. And they help, because when we build a foundation of resiliency in your own safe zone, when we start your day, you know, at a lower energy level, a little bit more fluid, and not ratcheted up, when we start to practice discomfort in a safe place where it's easier to do more often, more convenient to do more often, a little gentler, if you will, although you know, I'm not about gentle, but that can help, right? When we do that, your overall chances of success, in terms of moving more quickly, you know, down the recovery path, or even staying on the recovery path are increased for sure. And this is a thing that a lot of people forget. So they will wake up in the morning, they will immediately launch into all of the anxiety, you know, the ratcheting up rituals that you've developed over time that might be driving your anxiety or your GAD. And we'll talk again, we're gonna talk about that in a second. Or you just build, you know, you spend your whole day avoiding, 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 even in your own home. Yes, then it seems really hard if you're either 
ramping yourself up to level seven half the day before you even walk out the door. Or you're doing nothing but avoid, 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 and you're, you're like creating an almost artificially comfortable zone in your home, then the act of getting out and facing the outside exposures, or doing the things that are outside of your comfort zone, mentally, emotionally, physically, that gets a lot harder to do. So we try to find those trigger points, even before you pierce the bubble and get out there. And if we could start working there, then it makes working outside the bubble a whole lot easier. Not a whole lot easier, but at least it gives you a foundation to stand on. And this is a thing that a lot of people forget. So when I write in that book, or you hear me talk about taking baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, starting at the smallest possible place. If you're having a hard time getting out the door, then I would suggest that you simply practice putting on your coat, tying your shoes. Like as crazy as that sounds. I had another person that we had to really work on modifying their going out the door routine. Before they ever got out the door, we had to modify that routine. Tell me what you do when you get ready to go out the door. Well, I'm already freaking out because I know I got to go out the door. Okay, so what does that look like? Well, I try and rush around. I grab the, the bag. I have to put everything in there. I have to make sure I have my water and my mints and my, and my phone. So we had to really work on like, no, no, I want you to take a full five minutes to put on your coat, tie your shoes, and put your stuff in a bag. Five minutes is a long time. And so what this person was attempting to try to do, like literally in 45 seconds, because when we get anxious, when we get nervous, when we get afraid, we speed up. And that fuels the fire. Like, so she really had to stop and say, I got to slow this thing down and do one little thing at a time. All you have to do right now is tie your right shoe. All you have to do right now is tie your left shoe. That's your only goal right now. So sometimes we have to work on stuff like that. It matters. So I would urge you to do is start to take a look at really what's going on, even when you're home before you get out the door. What are you doing even before you start to work on the homework that your therapist gave you? What are you doing before you start to do your exposure work? Like, what are you doing? You know, are you practicing your skills? Let's talk about that for a second. I talk about this stuff until like ad nauseum. You guys are so tired of hearing me talk about it. But there is a reason that we talk about learning how to breathe, learning how to train your focus with basic meditation skills, and learning how to relax the tension in your body. There is a reason for that. And what I also find is that people will say like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, you talk about those things, but I don't like them or I don't want to do them. Oh, you spend so much time in your avoidance behaviors or your you're checking your your worrying, your scanning behaviors, that you're your ratcheting up behaviors that you feel like, oh, there's just no time. I don't have time for that. But you but you do. And it's important to to take that and spend five minutes a day, two and three times a day. Give yourself five, 10, 15 minutes every day. That's not a lot of time in your day. I don't care how busy you are, to practice those skills while you are in your safe place not under the gun. We do not wait until we are in the midst of the shit. You know, when the, when the shit is going down, when you're in a hard exposure, and you're kind of on freak out mode, that is not the time to, to think about like, Oh, how am I supposed to breathe again? What did Drew say to do? You practice it in your safe zone. So I harp on that all the time. Like that's another thing that you can look at while you are in your comfort zone in your home base, like use the home base practice while you're in home base. There's a reason why musicians have home studios. They practice in their bedrooms, in their basements, right? There's a reason why we work out in our basements. We have treadmills and gyms and weights and things like that. We do those things so that we are ready to go and we have to actually engage in and play a game or play a concert. This is, I say it all the time, this is why the military runs drills. This is why musicians rehearse. This is why people rehearse before they put on a play or film a movie. This is why we study before we take a test in school. 
So you have to use your safe area, your comfort zone, your home base to hone those skills also. So you got to look at what you're doing to accidentally ramp yourself up. You got to look at all the avoidance and, and safety rituals you're building into your home base. And you got to use your home base as a place where you can build your foundational skills. You're going to give yourself a way better chance to succeed. Stand on much, much firmer footing if you do that going forward. Right before you get out, ever get out the door. So let me take a moment and address like the GAD people because I know my GAD people love you guys. And I know that if you're listening and you're in that, I don't have panic attacks. I'm not agoraphobic. I'm not afraid to go out. I'm just constantly, consciously, constantly, constantly anxious. And we start to talk about, yeah, it's a whole different topic. And I've talked about this with David Carbonell in different podcast episodes. We're starting to talk about it more in the Facebook group, on a, in the social media community. But your goal with GAD is to understand, like, you kind of don't have a safe place. That's true. People will say, well, I don't have a safe place. I'm just constantly, constantly anxious. But the issue really is not so much that you're in a safe place. It's what you're doing and what you're thinking that we care about. And yes, you have to learn to tolerate the discomfort that come from those, comes from those anxious thoughts. And you have to learn to tolerate the, the, the physical discomfort. That's true. But what you have to really look at, look at before you even get out and there's any pressure. So for you, I want to think of your safe place, even though you'll say you don't have one or your comfort zone, as a place where there is no demand on you. right? So if you're dealing with GAD, your comfort place your home base is when there's no demands on you. It's in the evening, you're done with work, nobody's going to call you, kids are in bed, whatever it is. What's going on then? That's what we care about. Because when you're dealing with a constant level of anxiety, when someone puts demands on you, when the world puts demands on you, that ramps up and then it becomes almost unbearable. So I know that's where a lot of you guys are. But you're starting at a level four, level five all the time. When you are in that, that base level background where there are no demands on you at the moment and you have nothing but time for yourself to do whatever you want to do, what are you doing? How are you spending that time? What are you thinking about? What are you ruminating over? Now, I'm not telling you that you can just decide to not do those things. But the first thing you have to do is really start to look at that and say, okay, well, how am I spending my time when I can spend it any way I want? What am I doing with myself? Am I just constantly trying to run away from the feelings Am I just, you know, throwing my hands up and saying, I don't know why I feel like this, but I just got to get rid of this and trying to run away from them, even at home when you don't have any pressure on you? Or are you kind of engaging in, let me think about how everything went today. Let me think about how everything's going to go tomorrow. Let me think about how things might go in two years. One of the, you know, person, as a person in my Facebook group that goes back to joke all the time that we pointed out that. Not only does she worry about parking at the, at the movies, at the cinema, but she worries about parking before they even left the house to go there. So this is a good indicator of where are you? are you? Are you beating yourself over the head with perfectionism issues? Are you constantly going back and checking? What did I do wrong today? Am I doing everything ready for tomorrow? Am I going to get this right? Are you constantly ruminating about, you know, maybe your relationship status? Does everybody, do people like me? Am I okay? Is this okay? You know, is my family approving of me, my friends? So you have to look at how you're spending your time. Physically, but also cognitively, your safe zone is when there are no demands on you. So you have to start to uncover. Those are the times when people with GAD can find the clues. What do I spend, find myself thinking about? And so often, that is the place where somebody with GAD can kind of have that come to Jesus meeting with themselves. Because if you're in that situation and you're declaring, I don't have a source of anxiety, I don't have triggers, but yet you discover that when it's 10 o'clock at night, everybody's in bed and you just have time to yourself, all you do is either ruminate or, or, or beat yourself up over mistakes or worry about things 
or try and plan, 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 or excessively research things that have you worried. Try and continually improve, 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 make things better, 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 right? Or, or, or ruminate on the past. Or you're engaging in things that try to get you away. I got to just put myself into Netflix or else I'm going to think about those things. Well, those are clues. You have to, this is an opportunity in your safe zone to uncover those things that you do. Now, getting to the business of solving is a topic for another podcast, but starting to know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I keep telling I keep telling Drew that I have no triggers. I keep telling everybody that I have no triggers because I'm not agoraphobic, but well, look, look at these things that I'm doing. Like, it's important. It's important. So that's kind of how the GAD thing fits in. I'm going to try and address you guys more and more because these are common themes that have popped up. Over six years of podcasting and writing and interacting with so many, I'm learning more and more about this. So I'll try and include you guys when I can. If there's something special to you in a topic, I will do my best to try and bring it up going forward. So that is today's podcast. I thought it would be 15 minutes. Here I am 25 minutes in. The moral of the story here, of course, like I was saying, is use your safe zone. Use your home base as a place to build your foundation for recovery. Recovery doesn't start when you walk out the door or when you go to work or when you take a phone call from work or anything like that. Recovery starts in how you're living minute to minute, day by day. And you have to start to uncover those things that you are doing to either ratchet yourself up or living in an artificially high anxiety level all day long, even when you're in your home base and safe place. Or, you know, the things that you are doing to build an artificially safe place because you think if you can control everything and never feel anxious, then it's better. These are clues. These are places that you can, we can improve. These are opportunities to recover, to practice things, to move forward, to build a foundation that you could stand on as you go into the harder bits over time right? So that's it. I'm out of words. 25 minutes and I'm out of words on this one. I hope it's been helpful. As always, I'm going to ask a favor, which is if you are listening to the podcast on iTunes or any place where you can rate or review the podcast, take a minute and leave a, a rating, preferably five stars, if you will. And uh, maybe take a minute to review it. Because if you like the podcast and you write a little review, it helps other people find the podcast and then they can get the help that they need. I would appreciate that. That is it, guys. This has been episode 143. I'm going to play you out, as always, with Afterglow by my friend Ben Drake. You can find Ben online at facebook.com slash Music. Ben, thank you so much for letting me use the tune, as always. I will see you guys in the next podcast episode. And remember, this is the way. Yeah, you're on your way. It's in the afterglow. It's in the lyrics of the songs we know It's in these feelings that you never show Yeah, you're doing fine